Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Jason, not Tim. Tim is not here today. He is enjoying his wonderful teacher holiday of midwinter recess with his beautiful wife down in Florida in Key West. And or President's Week. What a glorious week for teachers. Really a great week. And I don't know if you know this, Michael, but Key West, I Googled it because I was like, what is this really? It's a part of Florida, technically, I believe. Um, But so you have Florida, like the border of new york not new york america and then there's like islands that loop down beneath florida and then it's like it's like at the same latitude as the bahamas kind of except it's like under america whereas the bahamas you know the the bahamas was the same time zone actually when i visited Hmm. yeah so it's interesting kind of like a tim did say it's like the southmost part of north america i believe yeah it's like a american island i guess interesting i think it's an island but yeah it's pretty cool tim's out there enjoying it so i'm hosting for you guys today and we have a special preview episode so let me explain we are going to talk about baseball today uh we have a patreon broto fantasy uh patreon.com slash broto fantasy you could join for three five ten or twenty dollars you get a free pod access to our discord we're going to be doing some giveaways uh during the football season you join brodo leagues if you're in the highest tier you play with the brothers and now as an added benefit we're going to add fantasy baseball rankings and waivers from our very own baseball expert michael hey if you listen to us from the beginning uh we were a fantasy football and baseball podcast what we decided to do is focus just on fantasy football so we could really give you guys our best uh knowledge on that subject but we still love fantasy baseball and michael is still very good at it and still does his research and he wants to give back to our patrons uh last year i won our home league following just michael's advice pissed him off because i beat michael in the semifinals yeah that was and lame. then me and michael also joined the league with fantasy experts won it our first year even though it was a keeper league and we were taking adopting a team that nobody wanted michael knows his shit and uh he figured if he's going to be researching and Killing it with his own teams, he might as well help out the patrons. So what we're going to do today is give all listeners a preview of Michael's fantasy baseball advice. I'm going to be hosting. I'm going to be asking him questions. We're going to do a love and hate for the first 15 rounds. If you like what you hear, if you decide you want Michael's advice the rest of the year, which you should, it's good stuff. You can just join our Patreon. Even the lowest tier is just $3 a month. Uh, For now, we're going to hop into it. Michael, you ready? Yeah, um, you'll be if you do sign up for the Patreon, you're gonna be getting my rankings, uh, waivers during the season, and I'll be sending you, um, like notes type of things, like article slash notes where I'll give you advice such as players to target, players to avoid, players I like at ADP, uh, things of that sort throughout the season and prior right, to the season, go. obviously. That is, again, patreon.com slash brotofantasy. This is your fantasy baseball preview for the 2020 season. Let's get it started. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast presented by brotofantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So as I just mentioned, we are going to do a love-hate. I'm going to go through the first 15 rounds with Michael. He's going to tell me a love. He's going to tell me a hate. Uh, And I'm telling you, Michael really feels strongly about his loves and hates. If I don't, I'll make it a little more clear. I am the person Michael texts about fantasy baseball. Michael has been doing a lot of drafts. Yes. And I'm getting screenshots of all of them. Always with scathing hatred for how high someone is going or disbelief that someone is going so low. And I'm telling you, Michael has bomb squads at the moment. True that. He's been taking hitters high because there's great hitter value this season. Talk about like bomb squads. I don't understand how he's putting together these teams, but now he's here to help you do the same. I'm going to be speaking about some of these values in my 15 round love hate that's coming at you right now. All right. To start it off, we got two B's. Round one, Michael, who are your love and hate? My first love is Cody Bellinger. Look, if you are in a fantasy baseball draft and you get pick one, two, three, or four, 
just be happy. Don't complain. Don't be that guy. And don't be that guy who takes Garrett Cole or Jacob DeGrom there either. I'm a, I'm a big hitters early, pitchers mid to late guy. I like, I've had a lot of success that way because I want a guy who's going to play every day compared to a guy who's going to pitch every five days. A pitcher could, if you, most uh, fantasy baseball leagues are week to week, right? He pitches one week, he goes seven innings, 10 Ks, no runs. Yes, that helps you a ton. But then if you get someone like Cody Bellinger, who has a monster week and goes three home runs, nine RBIs, uh, two stolen bases, that also helps you a ton. I've always been more of a grab the guys who play every day, uh, more in that mold. And especially in leagues like the NFBC and fan tracks and such, where you have more hitting, starting hitting spots compared to pitching spots, like the best balls I've been drafting on are on fan tracks. You start 13 hitters and nine pitchers. Why would you draft pitcher pitcher to start? Like you're already at, you're just, that's a terrible approach because you need to start four more hitters than you do pitchers. Like pitchers just, excuse me, hitters just automatically from the start are more valuable just for that reason alone at the beginning of the draft because you need to fill more slots. So with that being said, I have Cody Bellinger here because if you get Trout, Acuna, Yelich, or Bellinger, just be super happy that you got a one, two, three, or four pick. Cody Ballinger really became a superstar last year with 47 home runs, 115 RBIs, 15 stolen bases, batting over 300. And I do not see any reason why it would go down. He slowed down a little bit to start the second half, then picked it right back up over the last quarter of the season. He's only 24 years old. He's a star. Now he has Mookie Betts. He's probably going to lead off. So he'll even have even more RBIs. He's a lock for double-digit stolen bases. There's nothing that could go wrong with Cody Bellinger, in my opinion. My hate. Uh, go ahead. Real quick, you mentioned the top four. Um, patrons will get your rankings and see who your top four are when they are finalized. For now, off the top of your head, what's your order? Oh, my um, rankings are going to be sent out to patrons tomorrow. So, just oh, so they know, the first, I'm, the first, dude. the first iteration. I didn't even know that. Get on those patrons. Yo, nice. <laughs> I'm excited. So, uh, Yo, all right. Tell me about Bregman. Alex Bregman. Honestly, dude, I am 100% staying away from all Astros at this point. Just because I don't know if it's just like my hate for them cheating or like my belief that they're going to be worse this year without cheating. But I just I don't like any of them at the value. Alex Bregman is someone now who's going in the mid-first round, which is okay, but he doesn't steal bases. I mean, he stole five bases last year. He had 41 home runs after two years of hitting 19 and 31 home runs. The 41 home runs, his exit velocity last year were about was about half of the... It was like average major league level. So 41 home runs seems like a bit of an outlier. Players who were in that range did not hit that many home runs. His hard hit percentage was also right there in the middle. So it was really... Just pretty a pretty fortuitous season for Alex Bregman. And also, another thing I want to say about fantasy baseball. These days, you have all these crazy stats with like XWOBA, XBA, hard hit percentage, outs above average, FIP, XFIP, uh, and just some crazy stats. If I want to say something like that, I've already done all this research. I'm just going to say the advanced analytics say he'll be good. So you don't have to worry about learning all that lingo. <laughs> I'll just say the advanced analytics are saying that he should have been better last year, should have been worse, things of that sort. Honestly, that's the best way to do it. Once people start diving in, dude, Xwoba is sounds like a dog name. Yeah, like it I don't, started I don't with wanna... it was weighted on base, <laughs> and then they added an X because it became even more uh, like specific. And I also think that some of these things just go way overboard, but. That's in my opinion. And then you got like ISO, isolated slugging, which is shows uh, a more power, more power approach. And his was 296 last year, which is absolutely insane. But the two years prior were 191, 246. We also don't know if there was a juiced ball or not and if they're going to go back to a, a previous ball next season. So there's a lot to worry about when it comes to Alex Bregman. Third base is also ridiculously deep. So I don't want to take a third baseman in the middle of the first round. So I, I'm uh, I'm off Alex Bregman in the first round because I just think there's too much regression due and the Astros are a piece of shit franchise at the moment. 
I just I'm not I believing concur. in Alex Bregman being a uh, worthy of the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. I concur. You even left out the the dude. He's a human. There's a human factor in that they just got caught cheating. He's gonna either try to prove something or he's gonna. I don't know. There's a human factor there. Also, what probably lose some at bats by getting hit by pitches, and maybe who maybe you get hurt by an intentional pitch. Also, if you don't know a pitch is coming, you might not hit 41 home runs. So especially there's a when to... your advanced analytics say that you should have been, you should have hit uh, like double digit less home runs the prior season. There you go, and that's how you use advanced analytics. You know what though, Michael? In my opinion, you know what's an underrated stat? Walks. I hitters love players walk who walk. Are good hitters. Yeah, but. And there's a player up in the second round who walks a nice amount. The majority of leagues, like roto leagues, don't use on base percentage or walks. It's that's another thing about baseball. There's so many different styles of playing, like head to head categories. My rankings are based on roto, so it's rotisserie, so five by five, typical baseball. It changes drastically based on categories and things of that sort. So also as a patron, you get to text me or in the Discord or email me or whatever about your uh about your settings and I'll give you some guys that I think are more valuable in those types of settings. Awesome. All right, well you ruined my segue, but this guy walks a decent amount. He's good. You have two players from the same team in your second round love hate. Who are they? So my love in this round is Juan Soto, dude. <laughs> I loved him last year. In love with Juan Soto. I yeah, I drafted him last year in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational in uh our main league where me and you met in the semifinals and you beat me with my own uh in my own game with my own rankings and such. Dude, he I've never seen like he is on a Hall of Fame pace easily. Like this dude is 21 years old and he's an absolute stud. And so this is someone I love in the second round because he is Alex Bregman with more stolen bases around later and likely more runs and RBIs depending on the the way the Astros play this year. Like this guy hit 34 home runs last year. He's sophomore slump, yeah, right. His OPS each month has never like you see it and it's so ridiculously consistent. Like he has never been bad at any point in his major league life. 12 stolen bases last year, so he got the uh stolen bases up. I mean, He's a lock for 30 home runs. He's a lock for 100 RBIs. He's absolutely getting 100 runs because he walks so much as well. He had a 400 OBP last year. Sign me up for some Juan Soto because he just he does it all. Maybe he doesn't get you 20 stolen bases, but he's going to get you 10 to 15, and that's it's just going to be glorious owning him. And what the, about his teammate on the on the dirt, on the mound? On the mound. This guy is going right at pick 13-14. So I'm just not doing it, and... I'm sorry to say, but it's Max Scherzer, man. And nothing against Max Scherzer. The dude is an absolute stud. I mean, he threw 172 innings, had less than a 3 ERA, and 243 strikeouts last year. So there's honestly nothing you can't say about him, uh, anything you can't say bad about him, except that he's 35, coming off a year where he started to get hurt. And that is very concerning when it comes to an older pitcher. Like last year was the first time that he really had to deal with an injury and a 35-year-old pitcher coming off an injury in the second round is just simply not a risk I want to take. And that's basically it for Max Scherzer. He's a stud. As long as he's healthy, I think he's going to be worth the pick if you want to spend up on a pitcher. I just don't want to take a 35-year-old pitcher coming off the first injury of his uh, of his career. Let me sidetrack just a, just a tad here. Since you're a big... Uh, hitters first person in fantasy baseball what pitcher would you take in the first two rounds that's a good like question. If, if you really had to take a pitcher which one would it be it would be jacob de grom if he fell to like a back end of the first round okay because garrett cole's that. not gonna fall there walker bueller is very interesting if walker bueller falls to the middle of the second maybe i'll take a shot on him but like at this point uh scherzer DeGrom and Cole are all going in like the top 13 or so picks. And Bueller usually goes like right after. I've even, I've even had Bueller go before Max Scherzer in a couple of my best ball drafts. That's just, it's not something I really want to do spending up that much. M mainly I've been going, you know what? I'll leave that for the 
patrons, and we'll discuss players later that I'm talking about. So, <laughs> all right. So next up, you got two teammates again, both whose names start with Al. Quick trivia: uh, their last names start with Al. They're on the same team. Listeners, who are they? Michael, who are they? Give them like a five-second pause. Two guys on the pause. same team. Third round ADP. Last name start with AL. It's Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve. So ah, the Astros. Jordan Alvarez. I am absolutely in love with man. I think you are getting the sophomore discount on him, similar to Juan Soto last year. Juan Soto last year at a third round ADP. Even fell to the fourth sometimes because he was young and you just were scared that he was going to have a sophomore slump. I completely bought into it because everything said that this guy was mature beyond his age for as a batter. And Jordan Alvarez, man, he hit 27 home runs in 313 at-bats last year. He batted 313, so he was getting on base even when he wasn't hitting home runs. His OBP was 412, so he was walking a bit too. And all these advanced analytics I was talking about, He's basically in the 99th percentile of all of them. No, he's not going to give you stolen bases, but if he stays healthy, he's an absolute lock for 40-plus home runs. And I just think he's getting the the sophomore discount because there's guys going in the second round. Like, if you want, if you do take a pitcher early and then you get someone with uh, speed or something later on and you just want power, Jordan Alvarez is the absolute best player you could get in the third round there. Him or Pete Alonso, because Pete Alonso is also just a masher, basher, slasher. Ow. And my hate here Altuve? is Jose Altuve, because again, uh, Jordan Alvarez is the only Astro that I just don't, I don't uh, n- dislike going this year. Because I mean, he came up in the second half last year, and apparently they weren't cheating and all that. He definitely wasn't playing in 2017. But I, I dislike Jose Altuve here because, yes, he had a very good season last year. But he also had uh, a 298 average, so way down from his career of 315, which you hear 298, you're like, what? That's still great. But yeah, that's not really Jose Altuve. He's been a 310 plus hitter every single year since 2013. He also stole six bases and got caught stealing five times. Six for 11 last season, Jose Altuve. Prior to last season, he never had more than Excuse me, he never had less than 17 stolen bases. He struck out uh, 82 times more than he did the prior year. And talking about advanced analytics, he hit the ball very lightly. So the 31 home runs kind of seems like a bit of a mirage, especially coming off 15 home runs, 24, 24, 13. And now 31 home runs, especially if the ball gets dejuiced as people are expecting it to. I just don't see a path where Jose Altuve really is worth a third-round pick because I expect his home run total to be somewhere between 20 to 25 and his stolen bases to be right around five again. So we're talking about a guy who's also not going to get a lot of RBIs because he bats at the top of the order. So yes, he'll help you with runs. Maybe he'll score 100 runs, which he hasn't even done the last two years. So say he scored 90 runs and then he gets you a 295 average, which is great. The average you'll take. But then what? 20 home runs, 6 stolen bases, and 75 RBIs in the third round? Sounds like a waiver wire pickup. Doesn't sound like a waiver wire pickup. But, well, maybe. But no thank you when it comes to Jose Altuve in the excuse me, Jose Altuve in the third round. I just don't I don't see the appeal here, man. Again, also he won't have garbage can thumps guiding his um brain either. So that's something to keep in mind. Coming into the fourth round, we have Michael finally chooses a pitcher that he likes this late into the draft late being for your first pitcher and a hitter whose name seemingly carries more weight than it should what's up oh i like your uh your explanations for these guys <laughs> the pitcher is someone i'm in love with someone i loved last year too patrick corbin man when you draft patrick corbin you know exactly what you're gonna get it also helps that he's from new york shout out to patrick corbin you, you know what you're going to get when you draft Patrick Corbin. That it has I mean, <laughs> 325 ERA last season, 315 ERA the year prior, has pitched, has started at least 32 games each of the last three seasons, has gone 200 innings or more each of the last two seasons, 246 strikeouts and 238 strikeouts, respectively, the last two seasons. He's just become a, a stud. And 
when he had a 3.15 ERA, he only gave up 15 home runs. Last year, when he had a 3.25 ERA, he gave up 24 home runs. If this ball gets dejuiced again, I'm just going to keep saying that because there's a possibility the ball changes after last year. There was people really believe the ball was different, and then in the playoffs, apparently, they went back to an old ball, and you saw the home runs get diminished. But I mean, if his home runs go down by back to 15 or back to even 20. You can knock a tenth of a run off his ERA, and he's back down to a 315 ERA. He's a lock for over 200 strikeouts. He's going to get you wins because the Washington Nationals, the defending champs, are a very solid team. So I'm a big fan of Patrick Corbin in the fourth round. If you get him as your one, as your one, I'm okay with it. If you get him as your two, that's even better. So I'm a big fan of Patrick Corbin here. And the person I hate. And Jason said, I feel strongly about my loves and hates. Man, do I feel strongly about this one. Dude, I get, I, I'm with you on this one. It's Chris Bryant. And a like a everyday fantasy baseball player might think, Chris Bryant, hear his name in the fourth round and say, that's a steal. But I am 100% staying away from Chris Bryant because the third base pool, first of all, is absolutely ridiculous in the mid to late rounds. So I am not interested in Chris Bryant at all this ADP because you could get a Manny Machado, a Mike Moustakis, a Max Muncie later on, a Josh Donaldson like three rounds later, which is mind-boggling because I all think I think they all at least performed to Bryant's level, if not better. And the reason I don't like Chris Bryant here is because, again, he's not a stolen base threat, right? Like, he stole four bases last season. He stole two the year prior, seven the year prior. Like, the only time he stole double-digit bases is in 2015, his rookie season. He batted 282 last year, up a bit from his uh, 272 the year prior, but still not quite at his MVP levels. 31 home runs, which is nice, but his exit velocity and hard hit percentage were both lower than the 50th percentile in the MLB. So he was not hitting the ball very hard, and he still hit 31 home runs, so that makes me a bit worried. And we're just talking about a guy who has also dealt with injuries. For years now, the last three years, excuse me, the last two years. The year prior, he played 102 games. Last year, he played 147 games. So he played most of the games, but he was dealing with things throughout the season. And it just didn't seem like the Chris Bryant who won MVP in 2016. And honestly, we haven't seen that Chris Bryant since 2016. He's been a different batter since then. He struck out 145 times, which is the most uh, over the last three years. I'm just, uh, based on the, the value at third base and the way he's been playing, and now the Cubs are even looking to shop him, apparently. Like, I don't know if the Cubs are trying to win or if they're trying to sell. I'm just not a, I'm not here, I'm not here with uh, Chris Bryant this season. I wholly concur with you on that one. Going into round five, we have two loves and one hate. One of them is a young stud coming up. The other was a young stud on a team for a second year, and the hitter had some great years, had some down years. People are buying into him again. You're not. Talk to me. My loves for this round are two people Jason can uh, agree with since he said I sent him all my screenshots. I've oh, done yeah. or am in about 10 best balls at the moment, and I own Keiston Hira and Manny Machado in probably half of them. There is a ginormous drop-off in second baseman this season after the first few guys. After guys like Jose Altuve, Glaber Torres, Ozzy Albies, if Cattell Marte, he, if you're in a league where he counts as a second baseman, Whit Merrifield, Keeson Hira, and then you get Jonathan VR, DJ LeMayhew, Max Muncie, Jeff McNeil, if he counts as a second baseman, Yohan Moncada, if he counts as a second baseman. Like, I'm in fan tracks where you only get one second baseman, uh, excuse me, you only get one designation for a position, and there are about seven second basemen that have a top 180p and then it just drops to Gavin Lux. So if like if you're drafting in fan tracks for example, the second base pool is ridiculously shallow. So you got to keep an eye on that as well because Keyson here is just tremendous value I think. Another one that I'm not buying into the sophomore slump and I think there is a huge sophomore discount for him. 348 plate appearances last year, 19 home runs, 49 RBIs and 9 stolen bases. He played in half or so games, I, I I don't even have the. I thought I had the games open. Three hundred fourteen at bats, though, man. Like double that into a full season. Six hundred twenty-eight at bats, roughly, would be a full season if he stays healthy. 
And he's a 38 home run, 18 stolen base, 300 average hitter. Like, there's some stuff in his profile that say his his average might dip a little bit. But he also hit the ball harder than the entire MLB. He was in the 99th percentile of hard hit percentage. And generally, your average gets inflated and your BABIP gets inflated when you hit the ball that hard because it's very difficult to to get a player out when he hits the ball that hard. His barrel percentage also, is way up. He also had a high BABIP all throughout his minor league career. Yeah, and that's you can do that. Me and Jason, we were talking about the keeper league that we're in. Last year, we drafted Keiston Hira because I knew how good of a hitter he's been in the minors for $1. And now we get to keep him for $1. And it's just an absolute steal. Yeah. So I love me some Keeson here. And then Manny Machado. Manny Machado is absolutely hilarious to me, his ADP. I've actually gotten him in the seventh round of multiple uh, fan tracks drafts. And that's just honestly hilarious to me. He has played more games than any player over the last five years. So, I mean, he's been fairly healthy. Last year, he played 156 games again after. uh, I mean, no, excuse me. I said fairly healthy. He's literally been healthy. He's played at least 156 games since 2015. He's a lock for 30 home runs. He's a lock for 85-plus RBIs. And I think there's a huge discount here because his first year, again, in uh, San Diego was a down year, only batted 256, his worst ever. And I think a lot of a lot of players we see struggle their first year on a new team trying to overcompensate. And then they really break out. And this is a guy who got a huge contract. He's only 27 years old. I did not like Manny Machado at all last year because his ADP was late second, early third. And now I'm all over him because he has the absolute potential to be a late second, early third guy. And this year, you don't have to take a shot on him. This year, he's just there for you to do it and just reap the benefits. And the one guy I am not buying into in the fifth round is Jonathan VR. Look, That's if high, you want to take the shot on Jonathan VR. Especially in a Roto League where stolen bases are huge, right? You get the home run stolen base threat. Fine. Like, go for it. Just know that it's not going to be me. He hit 24 home runs last year and had 40 stolen bases. But this guy led the league in plate appearances. 714 plate appearances. Over 700. Do you really think this guy's going to get that many plate appearances again this year? All of his advanced analytics are in the bottom 50th percentile. He leaves Baltimore to go play in Miami now from one of the best hitters parks to one of the worst hitters parks. So you can expect the home runs to dip, especially if the ball gets changed to something like 15 home runs. What's he going to get 30 stolen bases? Well, what's his average going to be? His career average is 261. He hit 274 last season. I just think this is uh, 2018 all over again when he had that huge 2017 and then, excuse me, 2017 all over again when he had that huge 2016 became a when he stole 62 bases, became a high draft pick, and then he hit 11 home runs and stole 23 bases, batted 241, and basically lost his job. I I don't see that not happening, especially on a young team like the Marlins. If like they just said Jonathan VR is going to start in center field, if they want to get Lewis Brinson or Monty Harrison playing time, and Jonathan VR is bad to start the season, there goes his playing time just like that. I am not spending that high of a pick on a player just that is not that good of a baseball player overall especially in Miami now that's that's no bueno exactly uh moving on to round six you have a pitcher whose potential seemingly has always been higher than what he's put on the field and you have a hitter who's been dropping down with age hit me look man Noah Syndergaard has been yes he's been uh underwhelming but when I saw his sixth round ADP I was like this is nuts because in the past, I've not been a huge Noah Syndergaard fan, fantasy-wise. I mean, I'm a Mets fan, so I hold him here near and dear to my heart. But I've not been a fan of him, fantasy-wise, because you're picking him at uh, at ceiling. And this is Manny Machado all over again. You're getting a guy that you know you could trust. Yes, he had a 4-2-8 ERA last year, but his FIP, which uh, discounts uh, fielding, was 3-6. He threw 200 he uh he threw 200 strikeouts, 197 innings. If he stays healthy, he's going to get you hopefully I believe the Mets are going to be better, so I think he gets more wins than 10. This guy could be a 15 win, 200 strikeout, 3-5 ERA guy. And if he really puts it all together that people think he can, like that type of Noah Syndergaard season where he finally becomes that star at a 6th round pick, 
is an absolute steal. So I think it's a little ridiculous that Noah Syndergaard isn't going in the fourth, fifth round. I've seen his ADP jumping up a little bit recently. I think people are really uh, catching on. He's feeling better about his slider as well. He dropped a few miles per hour on that last year. He's working on bringing that up because it was less effective last season than the years prior. Yeah. And then my hitter. This hurts me because I've been a fan of his for some time now, and it seems like you're getting a discount on him. But it's Paul Goldschmidt. I'm just... A lot of people are buying into Paul Goldschmidt's second half. I'm looking at Paul Goldschmidt, and I'm saying, this is a guy who, now at age 32, has just consistently decreased production for years now. And I don't want to take a chance on a guy who's, uh, whose production is just decreasing year after year. I mean, yes, he had 34 home runs last year, but... I mean, let's see what goes on with the ball. He had 33 the year prior, 36 the year prior. His stolen bases are down. His stolen bases are gone, right? Like, he stole three bases last year. He's no longer that guy who's going to get you 15 to 30 stolen bases either. Only batted 260. Walked less than he ever has in a healthy season. Only 78 walks. Like, this is a guy who used to be a perennial on-base guy. Like, he had a 396 OBP or higher every single year. Until 2018, where it went down to 389, and then bam, 346, the big drop-off. His slugging percentage dropped. He just, I'm not buying into a 32-year-old guy who is on a constant decline, and I think the decline furthers this season, unfortunately, for Paul Goldschmidt. In round seven, you are buying into a guy who's old but continues to kill it, and then you're selling a guy who is still pretty young and has been up and down. Shoot. I'm buying Nelson Cruz, man. Every single year, like there's obviously there's a lot of fantasy baseball uh, products out there for you to look at and people to follow on Twitter. Nelson Cruz has been one of the biggest return on investments every single year for the past five years. Because every single year you could get him in like the seventh, eighth, ninth, even tenth round. And every single year this dude is an absolute beast. Last season, Nelson Cruz... 454 at-bats, 41 home runs. Like, even if he does get hurt again and misses some time, 41 home runs at 180 RBIs. He batted 311. Like, this, his OPS was over 1. His exit velocity and hard hit percentage were 99th percentile in the league. Dude, dating back to 2014, just in case you forget how good Nelson Cruz has been, 40 home runs, 44 home runs, 43 home runs, 39 home runs, 37 home runs, 41 home runs. He hit 41 home runs in 120 games last season. Now the uh, Twins lineup is even better with Josh Donaldson there. So he's going to get a bunch of runs too. He scored 81 runs in 120 games. He went over 100 RBIs in 101 games. Excuse me, 120 games. So I think Nelson Cruz is just easy cash here in the 7th round. So I'll be taking him all day if he's there because why not? Especially if you already covered some speed or if you want to get some speed later, just go ahead and get Nelson Cruz. My next Who's guy. Your fade? My fade is Gary Sanchez, L. Gary. Look, I am not a catcher early guy. I have, again, like I've said, I've done a few drafts. Gary Sanchez goes in like the, what is this, the seventh, eighth round. And then I'm getting Wilson Ramos in the 18th. Like, why? Give why? Me that all day. Would I draft Gary Sanchez in the seventh round if I could get Wilson Ramos or even Salvi Perez, who's hugely discounted, or someone like Will Smith in the 15th to 18th round? Yes, he hit 34 home runs last season. He had power numbers similar to to Nelson Cruz. Like, he hit 34 home runs in 106 games. Like, he was a monster at the plate. But he also struck out 125 times in 106 games. So he's way on pace to, to that's worse than he's ever been before in his life. He batted 232 a year after he batted 186. Like this this is the same the last 2 years this guy has not topped a 232 batting average and he always deals with injuries. He's never played more than 122 games and that was back in 2017. So you're you're taking a catcher who yes he'll give you home runs but he's going to hurt you in average. He'll score you some runs and get you RBIs. He's going to hurt you in stolen bases, obviously. He gets you zero. But catchers, you don't necessarily look for stolen bases. But he's going to destroy your average at 232. And he's going to get hurt. And then you're going to have to search for 
another catcher to play until he returns. He's going to go ice cold some weeks. I'm, I'm just not taking a catcher this, this early. I'm waiting. I'm waiting it out. In round eight, I like your guys here. You have Nolan Arenado light and Xander Bogarts light. Tell me about him. Matt Chapman, folks, has been a superstar basically the last two seasons, but he goes a little under the radar because he's on the Oakland Athletics. He was a first-round pick. He's only 26 years old, so like he's coming into his own at the right time. In 2018, 24 home runs and 100 RBIs. Batted 278. And then last season, 36 home runs, 102 RBIs. Batted 249. His BABIP was down, was way down last season, though, which gives you hope that his average could go up a little bit. And he also hit the ball tremendously hard. And we're talking about a guy who's in a good lineup, who's only 26 years old, entering his prime now, was already an MVP consideration in the last two seasons. This is exactly why I don't want to take Chris Bryant in the fourth round. Because if you could get Matt Chapman in the eighth round, that's just so simple for you to do. He hit the ball 99th percentile uh, exit velocity and hard hit percentage. So, I mean, he's a lock for 100 runs, basically. The last two seasons, 100 runs. He's going to get you 90-plus RBIs. He's going to get you 30-plus home runs. I do expect his average to go up a bit, maybe to like 260. And that's someone I do want to take in the eighth round because he's also been an Ironman and has not left the field in his time uh, in Oakland, really. My hate for this round, another Astro, folks. Carlos Correa in the eighth round. Look, I understand that Carlos Correa, two, three years ago, was like a back-end first-round pick. I get it. I get the massive appeal that he has. I get that he's only 25. I get that he was the first overall pick in a pre in his in his former glory. I also get that this guy has not played more than 110 games since 2016. Only played 75 games last season. Batted 279, had 21 home runs, only one stolen base. Like 2015 and 2016, 14 and 13 stolen bases. That's huge. Those stolen bases to get to be able to get to double digits. That's gone. That is way gone. He stole 2 in 2017. Three in 2018 and one in 2019. Now he's becoming like the spokesperson for the Astros when it comes to the cheating scandal. Like he is talking about all these things. He's like he's shitting on Cody Bellinger. Like he's talking shit about it as if he's his team isn't the one that fucked up. So he's probably gonna get hit a bunch too. Like I'm just not taking a guy who hasn't stayed healthy and has been a two category producer. Like he's gonna get you home runs. He'll get you stolen bases, but not like. A massive amount. He's never hit more than 24 home runs in his career. So what are you buying into in the eighth round? You're buying into a dream of who Carlos Correa could have been or could be if he stays healthy. And that is not something I plan on doing this season. Going into the next round, you have actually three people who either were traded last season or signed the new teams this season. Uh, so tell me why you don't like or like these new faces. Same faces in new places. Whoever drafts Marcelo Zuna in the, what, ninth round, man, are you going to be a happy camper. He hit the ball ridiculously hard last season. He's been hitting the ball ridiculously hard. His 241 average was a mirage. He's a 272 hitter on his career, and I do expect his average to go up. I mean, he hit 312 in 2017 and 280 in 2018. He dealt with injuries last season. He hit 241. I think that bounces back up to 270 at least. He's going to hit 30 home runs, likely get you 100 RBIs. In a great lineup now uh, in Atlanta. So I think Marcelo Zuna is a complete steal here. Sonny Gray, I also love here as a uh, pitching option. This guy really came on last season. Like, he was an absolute stud, and now he is going in the ninth round. I told Jason, because, uh, again, I I, uh, I share all my fantasy drafts with him. Sonny Gray this year is my Charlie, my Charlie Morton of last year. Like, someone who is just getting discounted because he's more of a can he keep it up type of thing rather than he proved that he is this good. Like he 175 innings last season, 10 and a half Ks per nine, a 287 ERA, FIP of 342, which is still tremendous. Like even if his ERA goes up to 3-4, still a very good starting pitcher in the ninth round. The Reds are vastly improved this season, so I think he gets you 10 to 15 wins, if not more, depending on how good the Reds really are. I think he's coming at a massive discount. So like if you could go... Corbin, Syndergaard, uh, 
and uh, now Sonny Gray as three your first three pitchers or three of your first four pitchers and have bomb squad hitters, I would not hate that at all. And someone I hate is Zach Wheeler. And I might be a little biased here because Zach Wheeler just shit on the Mets. And honestly, the Mets helped him turn exactly like the Mets GM Brody Van Wagenen said. The Mets helped him turn two good halves into a ridiculous contract. So that's why I'm not really in on Zach Wheeler because, look, he was tremendous the second half of 2018. Tremendous. But then he just became Zach Wheeler again, 2019. Like this inconsistent, decent pitcher, but he's never thrown more than 180. Excuse me, he threw 195 innings last season. The first time he went over 182 innings ever. So the first time he finally pitched a fully healthy season. Now he goes to Citizens Bank Park, a a, a hitter's park, has to face the uh, the Mets and the Braves a bunch. The Mets know Wheeler well. The Braves are a bomb squad. The Phillies are also not that great of a team, in my opinion, so I don't know how many wins he's going to get. I'd rather take Sonny Gray here over Zach Wheeler. I think it's more flipped in most people's eyes, but I think it's the, I think it's the other way around. Heading into round 10, I am inclined to remind you that Michael's rankings are being released tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, then that means today. All you got to do is sign up at patreon.com slash brotofantasy for as little as $3 a month. That's right. Uh, moving on to round 10, Michael, you have... A hometown love and a hometown hate. Who yep. are they? So my hometown love is another guy who, if you could get him here in the 10th round, just clap your hands and be very happy about it. Michael Conforto, 26 years old, man. It seems like he's been in the league forever now as a Mets fan. Like he's just been a part of our core for so many years now. Back-to-back years playing 150 games or more, which you like to see. So he's becoming a more trustworthy guy who, who can stay on the field. 33 home runs last year, the prior year 28, the prior year 27, and he increased his launch angle. His K percentage went down uh, to 23%, which is still a little high, but way better than it was the prior two seasons. His average was 257, which is not tremendous, but I I think it can go up, but he's not really an average hitter at this point. I just think when you're buying into Michael Conforto, you're buying into a guy who seven stolen bases as well last season, a guy who's going to get you 30 home runs, who's going to get you 90 or more runs, who's going to get you 90 or more RBIs, and 5 to 10 stolen bases. And that's someone I want to take when I reach double-digit rounds for sure, since that's where his ADP is at at the moment. And my hate, James Paxton. James Paxton was actually a target of mine in most drafts. Luckily, he was taken before me because I thought his ADP was just decreased because of injury concerns, and I was going to take the chance on him in the 7th, 8th round. But guess what? He's already hurt. And yes, he was good last season, but we are talking about a guy who's literally hurt every single season and is now entering the season hurt. One of my rules is not to draft already hurt players unless they're at a ginormous discount. And James Paxton is still going in around the 10th round, which is not a ginormous discount at all. So big pass there. Moving on to the next round, we're sticking with pitchers. As you can tell, this is where Michael starts to look at pitchers mostly. Uh, Got some good value here. Two people who are in the same round, it's kind of hard to believe that. Uh, tell me about him. Yeah, uh, my love here is Lance Lynn. Another guy, you're getting the can he keep it up discount. The reason why I love Lance Lynn so much this year, man, 208 innings last year, over 230 strikeouts, like only two and a half walks per nine, so elite control. His BABIP was 322, which is right around his career average, so it's not even like that was up. His 74% left on base percentage was actually lower than his career uh, left on base percentage. And he had a 3.67 ERA. So automatically someone would be like, oh, what was his FIP though? What it, what should it have been? 3.13 FIP. His ERA should have been better. So this is anyone 16 games. So you're buying a guy in the 11th round who won 16 games last season, had 230 strikeouts. And had a top 10 ERA in the 11th round. So yes, sign me up. Because even if he does regress, it's still likely going to be a steal in the 11th round. Like, I think that's so obvious. And then my hate, Jesus Lazardo. I'm a little uh, rookie biased when it comes to predicting playing time. Like, if a rookie... Like, last season I took Victor Robles in the 10th round. Because at that point, you knew he was going to play every day, right? 
you don't know how many starts Jesus Lazardo is going to get. But you have to imagine his innings pitched are going to be nowhere near what they could be uh, in the future. Like, I expect him to get stopped at like 125 innings max. He has never, listen to this, Jason, never once in his life in Major League Baseball, in the minor leagues, pitched more than six innings. What? Never once in his life. And he's going in the 11th round because he has this ginormous potential. But this year's not the year, folks. Like, can he get you 100 innings of 3-5 ERA and 120 strikeouts or something of that sort? Sure. But do you really want to take that chance? Like, especially on a guy who's been hurt repeatedly in the past and has not thrown more than six innings ever in his major league career. Like, despite all the great abilities that come with it. Like, I just, I can't take that shot. Going into the next round, you're going with a starter who I concur is a nice pick where he's at. And a closer, finally on the hate list because we don't take closers early. Yeah, Let I, me just, hear. I just dropped my mic, so that's the that's the noise you're hearing. My love is Robbie Ray because anytime you could get a 200 strikeout pitcher in the 12th round, you do it. Simple as that. Like, at this point, ERA and whip compensate either later or pick lower ERA guys and whip guys earlier because if you get 200 strikeouts in the 12th round, you have to do it. So it's pretty simple for Robbie Ray because that's just who he is. And then my hate is uh, is Craig Kimbrell because, look, I know that Craig Kimbrell has been a stud his entire career, but I am not one to buy into an older guy who is declining just becoming a star again. Like last year, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say he's gonna have a six ERA again. Like he didn't pitch half the season, got signed, came up off the off his couch and threw twenty innings for the Cubs. But I mean a six five ERA is hilariously bad. Especially with an eight FIP. Like he was getting hit in the minor leagues too. Like clearly that should not have been the case. And he was a stud with the Red Sox for years. But twenty eighteen, his two seven four ERA, tremendous ERA, three one three FIP. That was like double what he was producing prior. That's how good Craig Kimbrell really was. And now the Cubs are maybe shopping Chris Bryant. Like, I don't know what they're doing really, if they're trying to compete or if they're trying to sell. And I don't think they're that great of a team to begin with. So I'd rather not draft a pitcher coming off his career worst at not that big of a discount. Because the 11th round for a closer, still pretty steep. Like, you're taking him as a top 10 closer. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not buying into that. Last three rounds, I'm going to bunch them up here for all of you to hear. Michael's loves are Kyle Schwarber and Ahmed Rosario, uh, Matt Boyd and Mike Miner, Wilson Ramos and J.D. Davis. And then his hates are Manea, Aquino, and Hampson. Tell me about it real quick. Yeah, so my loves, I'll go through them. Uh, Ahmed Rosario really came on in the second half last season. He ended with a 287 batting average, man. Like, he really became a decent hitter. 15 home runs, 19 stolen bases. Now 24 years old, has taken... Steps up every single year. His average, his uh, hard hit percentage, his strikeout percentage, his walk percentage. Like, he literally, and this is a former number one overall prospect, just continues to get better. So, Ahmed Rosario in the 13th round, I think, is a great pickup if you wait on shortstop. Kyle Schwarber was an absolute stud last season, and he really turned it up in the second half. And I think he could really have a ginormous breakout this year. I like him a lot here. Uh, Matt Boyd, again, easily 200-plus strikeouts. The reason his ERA was so high last year was because of how many home runs he gave up. If the ball gets dejuiced, like there's uh, speculation happening, and his ERA drops under four, you get a guy who strikes out 240 batters and has an ERA at 3-9 in the 13th round. Excuse me, 14th round, which you absolutely want to do. Mike Miner, a 200-inning pitch, uh, 200-strikeout guy last season. I drafted him everywhere in my best balls last year in like the 25th round. And that really hit because Mike Miner just, he's never been healthy. But if you're in the 25th round, you take a shot on that. And he really proved himself worthy. And then in the 15th round, a pair of Mets again. I guess I really like Mets this year. Wilson Ramos, who's going to get you, he's one of the best hitting catchers in the league. Like he's not going to blow up anywhere for your team. He's not going to bring fireworks anywhere for your team. But he's going to be average across the board. And out of the catcher position, that's something that I want. And then J.D. Davis, who... In the 15th round, could be an absolute steal this year because if the Mets give him starting playing time, which they say they are at this point, he's going to be a stud. Like, he had 27 home runs last year and was 
his advanced analytics say he was a top 10 hitter. Like, that's how good he was. And then my hates, Sean Manea in the 13th round. I'm not drafting a guy who just missed an entire season in the 13th round. I'm very uh, risk-averse when it comes to pitchers coming off year-long injuries. That just scares me off a little bit. And Sean Manaya was never really that great to begin with prior to the injuries. So, like, why exactly are you taking him in the 13th round? I just don't get it at all. Aristides Aquino. Now the Reds have Nick Castellanos. They have Jesse Winker. They have Nick Senzel. They brought over um, a Japanese player to play in the outfield for them, Akiyama. So, is Aristides Aquino going to play every day? Who knows? Does he have massive power potential? Yes. But I'm not taking that shot here because I'd rather draft someone like Wilson Ramos or J.D. Davis who have a clear path to playing time. And then Garrett Hampson in the 15th round. Right now, projections say that, uh, what's his face, Ryan McMahon is going to be the starting second baseman, not Garrett Hampson. So, I mean, like, yes, he has stolen base potential. I understand that. But we went through this last season, the same exact thing, where Garrett Hampson just became this love that everyone wanted to draft and I didn't draft him anywhere and then he ended up just not doing anything last year because he started the season off slowly and it's not like Garrett Hampson was ever this huge prospect like people just like Garrett Hampson because he's on the Rockies and he's playing in Coors Field and he has speed but there's a chance that he just doesn't play especially with Brendan Rodgers like Brendan Rodgers is hurt coming back mid-May if Hampson and McMahon are both playing bad here comes Brendan Rodgers to take your spot like, I just don't understand the Garrett Hampson love either. And that is my 15 rounds love-hate. There it is, ladies and gents. Straight knowledge from the brain of Michael Petropoulos. I was I just spoke a lot. You did. You did a great a job. Of I, was, I was intrigued the whole time. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash Fantasy. If you want access to Michael's rankings, waivers, notes, etc. Throughout the season, fantasy baseball is a fun game. And after this week, we're going to be turning back to fantasy football per usual. So if you want that fantasy baseball help and fix, you know where to find it at our Patreon. And then you could also join in on the fantasy football fun with weekly podcasts, Absolutely. which will still be football Absolutely. with our community. So a reminder for anyone who missed it, March. if you sign up for the Patreon, you get everything Jason just said. You get my preseason rankings. You get waivers during the season. You get messages sent to you like love and hate and ADPs and things of that sort that I'm players I'm targeting, players I'm not targeting. Players you could trade for during a season, things of that sort. So sign up if you haven't yet. And thanks there you for go. listening. There you go. And that's it for this week. We are back to football next week. Tim will be around as well. Until then. Key West Tim later. will be back. Oh, wait. We got to sign off and stuff. Yeah, see? T- see? We need Tim to. Uh, damn it. I'm at Jason. It, I'm at. Bro- oh, I forgot. <laughs> I'm at Brodo FF Jason. I'm at Brodo Michael FF is. Mike. At Brodo FF Tim is in Key West right now uh, with roosters walking around. Yeah, apparently um, he said roosters walk around like New York City pigeons do in Key West. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. You can follow us at Brodo Fantasy literally anywhere. Of course, at Patreon as well. That'll be all. Later. Later.